You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, breaking news as Andrew Luck suddenly announces his retirement. The Packers and Raiders play on a strange field, while Ezekiel Elliott and Jerry Jones play an expensive game of chicken. And more Antonio Brown updates. UFC 241 is in the books with the title returning to Cleveland, and locally, the Woodpeckers make a big jump towards a playoff spot, and we sit down for an interview with the Fayetteville Roller Derby. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Welcome to episode four of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyard of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. I'm Mike. What up? This week we have a special interview. Later in the episode we sit down with Graceful Dread and Coach Duke of Payne of the Fayetteville Roller Derby. But first let's turn to the NFL where we have the biggest breaking news of the last 24 hours. Andrew Luck. Calling it quits. Yep. Uh, Adam Schefter reported last night during the indie game that Andrew Luck is going to retire after seven years. Yeah, I mean, the thing is he did, Luck was always kind of a, a, a dude that marched to his own beat. Like, he played all four years in college. Um, surprised a lot of people by coming back for a senior year. And, I mean, the dude the last four years has just been honestly beat to shit. Um, I can't imagine it's easy to not even really get an off season because you're rehabbing constantly right um he he was injured off and on we even included that when we were talking last week Uh, yeah i mean and that's the thing you know he's already missed the whole season due to the shoulder and the labrum um you know it was a high ankle sprain you know low ankle sprain then high ankle sprain then ursa came out and said it was a bone issue like it always seemed to be something and granted indy's deep offensive line got a lot better last year but they haven't really done him a lot of favors no i mean it's not a surprise (laughs) that his career's cut short um, I mean, I was reading that Adam Schefter apparently sat on the story for a week, waited until the fourth quarter, broke the story in the game while Andrew Luck was on the sidelines. The fact, I got, I got no issue with that. The fa- he's a journalist and he sat on a story for a week. Um, you know, it, it, the thing is he's going to be the bad guy either, either way. You know, he's the dude that's reporting Andrew Luck, the franchise quarterback, uh, is stepping down and, uh, you know, he, he's just going to catch out. Let's face it, Schefter does that anyway. Um, you know, he's a lot like Ramona Shelburne for the Lakers. And any news they break, they, you know, they, they take a pounding on social media and everybody else. Yeah, but don't you, don't you got to let the player no, no, control his own destiny? No, that's not my job as a journalist. It's not to let anybody control. All right? But do you need to create the drama? What drama? He broke his story. He sat on it for a week, though. Okay. And, he and then broke it during the game when he wanted because he wanted to see how the indie fans were going to react. Okay, that's all conjecture. That's all conjecture. He broke the story when he felt it needed to be broken. All right, that's on the journalists. You know the thing. The, the, the why wait the week? The thing is, why don't you ask the dude who released the Panama Papers? You know why he sat on him for almost a year before he released them. You know, you as a journalist, you do your due diligence. You know, you talk to his father, all your sources, make sure it's legit, not just something people are saying. Because how many times has Antonio Brown in the last four years threatened to retire? You know, in the last four days, he's yeah. threatened to retire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, I, Schefter's doing his job. He's doing his job, you know, and it, people want to gripe about it. I'm sorry. I, I, 
that's your that's your American constitutional right to bitch moan and complain about anything you want to, as long as you're not yelling fire in a crowded movie theater, okay? But I mean, I've got no issues with what he did. I got zero issue. Now, I think it was eleven and five was your prediction last week. Yeah. Uh, now that was contingent. You did say on Andrew Luck being healthy. Obviously, they're going without Luck this this season because. Andrew Luck is no longer playing in the NFL. It, yeah, what happens in the AFC it, South? This, I mean, it's it's everything's up for the, the division's up for grabs now. Um, honestly, the Jaguars have to be sitting there thinking, "Fuck, if I can get, you know, just ten good games on a Nick Foles, we can win nine. Who who wins the division this year? You think I now? Mean, now I just don't know because it's such a. It's it's a bad division. It's the worst division in the NFL. Uh, and I mean, I, and it just got worse. Yeah, and I maintain that it's it's not good. I mean, Tennessee goes on a run again. They can win at nine seven. Yeah. Um. I think uh, last week you had Houston eight and eight. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it it's gonna be rough for them. Uh, losing Lamar Miller, who knows the playbook. Another big story. Um. You know, he's he's a he's a good running back. He's he did very well behind you know substandard lines in Miami. Um, you know, he's battled injury issues. And now Duke's even more important down yeah, there. Yeah, but I just, I, I don't know who I was reading today, but they brought up a good point. He's never been a featured back, not even in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always split carries, and now, you know, he's going to be spending, you know, a month with a team, and now he's RB1. Yeah. Um, And he's running behind, honestly, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. I mean, we talked about that in in depth last week. Yeah, and I I don't think that could be argued. Like, if you're looking the worst in the NFL, like, Miami is easily the the most talent-efficient team in the league. Houston's got to be, like, number 31. Um, Like, I feel, I genuinely feel for Deshaun Watson... Uh, 63 times yeah 60 <laughs> I, just, I feel for him 63 times I, I want him to survive the season and i just don't see it happening but let's face it he catches fire if that offensive line just plays average yeah and they can keep him on his feet for five seconds deshaun watson's going to do some damage with those offense uh you know with the with the wideouts that he has and maybe duke you know, puts up 800 yards on the ground and catches another 400 in the air. I mean, the Texans could easily win nine games. Yeah. Like, I don't see a double-digit winner out of the South. I just don't. It's not a good division. So who do you pick out of the South? Uh, I, it's going to be Tennessee or, uh, or Houston, honestly. I just, you know, like we talked about last week, I'm not sold mm. on Nick Foles as a 16-game starter. Um, and Jacksonville still doesn't look good offensively. Um, you know, I'm not buying into Leonard Fournette actually caring about his career going forward because he just doesn't seem like he, yeah, you know, he's really not into it. Yeah. Um, and he only averaged a little over three yards a carry last year. But on the flip side, last week you were saying Mariota is probably not going to step up. Yeah, but I mean the thing is, they could if Mariota throws 3,500 yards, you still have Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis in the backfield. Right. Um, you still got Delaney Walker, a tight end. They've really upgraded the wide receivers in Tennessee. So, and you know, you got Vrabel there. The defense is going to get better. I mean, Vrabel is a good coach. You know, he can coach this team to nine wins. Because, I mean, it's a nine, you know, nine seven is above 500. I get it. Yeah. But it's not that big of a step over being average. Yeah. You, you know, so they don't need to do much more than. <laughs> you're winning a division at the same record as people who are missing the playoffs at yeah, that point. Yeah, exactly. And that that's the. That's the thing is, 
I mean, honestly, you're going to have a division winner probably go 9-7, 10-6 the most, and um, they're going to host a playoff game, and you're going to see an 11-5 team, maybe even 12-4 coming out of the West as a wild card yeah. in the AFC, who is going to have to travel the first two weeks. So, yeah. And we'll get to the <laughs> AFC West next week. Uh, because of the interview, You know, we decided we were going to put off the yeah. final division preview. Uh, but let's go to some bizarre news. Uh, the Green Bay-Oakland game this week. Uh, they played in Winnipeg. Yes, they did. Because Oakland can't get their shit together. Yeah. Couldn't get their shit together in time, at least. Uh, but they played on an 80-yard field. Why? Well, they had to remove the goalposts, you know, the CFL goalposts, and they weren't able to fill the hole in. Um, so rather than, you know, offer up a huge safety hazard. They played from the 10 to the 10. Yes, they played from the 10 to the 10 on an 80-yard field. Sat. I think I think Green Bay had like thirty three starters, yeah. not even suit up. Yeah, uh, I mean both the Raiders and uh, and Game Three is usually when you play your starters. For yeah, a half. I mean that's that's where you get your most your reps at as a starter in the preseason. It's your dress rehearsal. Yeah, and then you sit everybody in Game Four and then play, you know, roster s- spots fifty to eighty. Yeah. to see who's going to make the final cuts. Um, but yeah, I mean it just seemed like. When you're sitting 33 people, you're mailing it in. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I'm not playing on a real field. Um, I don't really care. You know, I'm interested to see what um, Green Bay's head coach, Zach, uh, what's his name, Zach? Anyway, the young kid. Taylor? Yeah, I think that's his name. Um, you know, see what he does next week if he doesn't put people in because they missed game time and snaps last week. Yeah. You know, I don't see him doing that. Um, no, especially not with the injuries that happened this yeah. week in game three. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it was a, you know, a who's who of this person got hurt or this person's nursing an injury uh, in the third week of the preseason. But, yeah, I, I get what the NFL is trying to do. I mean, you look at Buffalo for a couple of years, played, I think, three home games in Toronto. You know, they're trying to expand their footprint um, because the thing is, is business, the NFL is still the, the big boy league. Like, that's the one that's the most... Uh, watched, yep. you, know, you know, it still brings the most money. But Isn't there a game in Mexico this year? Yes, there is, you know, uh, but they're flattening out, you know, yeah. like things are going to flatten out in the States. Where are you supposed to grow at? You're going to grow internationally, right? London, Canada, Mexico, Mexico. Um, you know, and London has shown that, you know, we're going to come out for three or four games a year. Wow. Um, I'm interested to see what the NFL's Europe office really thinks about that because uh, playing at Wembley, that if you have a 16-game schedule there, that will interfere with rugby, that will interfere with, you know, soccer exhibitions. Uh, you know, that could be problematic. And, you know, like we keep talking about the novelty. Sure, man. Londoners might go out for 16 games year one. If right. that team sucks, right? are they coming out for year two, though? Right. Yeah. And, and how willing are stateside teams going to be to travel yeah. over there in the middle of the season? Or when you're trying to make a playoff push and you got to go play in London... For a game. Yeah, I mean, I would rather see them, rather than take an existing team and move it to Europe, um, why not just establish six franchises in Europe? Yeah. With, like, with real ownership. Not like it was under, like, World League of American Football, then you know, and then it, mer- you know, became NFL Europe. Right. But have those big-name owners over there. And then... And you, just have their own league? Well, you have their... They have, you have the European division and the American division. Okay. And then whoever, you know, said... You know, whoever wins the U.S. League and whoever wins the European League, they meet in the Super Bowl. Um, 
think yeah. a lot of fans might have an issue with that, uh, though. I, I, honestly, the hell with fans. I mean, they're the ones complaining about, uh, you know, the game's not as physical as it used to be. Yeah, well, do you want to see these players, like, literally with their brains sludge by the time they're 40? Yeah. You know, um, like, come on, man, this is a business, first and foremost, um, a billion-dollar business. Why are you going to subject these players to, you know, the Chuck McNair kids. I re- remember that picture where he's standing over Frank Gifford. That hit ended Frank Gifford's career. Right, right. You know, um, you know, but look at Big Narek later in life. You know, he played center and defensive tackle. And, you know, by the time he was 40, he was using a cane. Mm. You know, um, these players are what puts asses in seats, period. Mm-hmm. It's not the ownership. It's, and I'm sorry, it's not the game day experience. <laughs> it's, it's, the players on the field. That's what you go to see. This isn't minor league baseball. Minor league baseball, you know, arena football, the stuff we have in Fayetteville, that's an experience. Yep. Okay. Definitely. It's cheap. You can get your family out there. Oh, yeah. You're going to an NFL game, dude. You're going to see the players you're play. You're going to see the players play because what are you doing? You're saving up for a year for five hours of enjoyment, you know? Right. So, yeah, I, I want to see, you know, less shots to the head. I want to see you know, fewer shots below the knees. You know, I, I don't want to see these guys getting carted off the field. Right. They they put it out there every Sunday or every Thursday or every Saturday because God knows the NFL will just put a game on every day of the week <laughs> if they could. They, they really would. Um, But they're putting it out there so we can watch it. And I think they do in preseason. I think so, it, it, yeah. It feels like there's a game every day. Yep. At least, what, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Yep. So uh. Tuesday and Wednesday get free passes because those are the nights for Maction Okay, <laughs> go watch Mac football. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't want to see these guys get hurt like that. I don't right. want to see them struggling to form words. You know, I don't want to see any of that stuff. Right. You know, so I have, a, I have a, a real big issue with fans who sit there and say, you know, refs call it too early in boxing or MMA. Okay, yeah, because we want to see what happened to Muhammad Ali happen to these guys as well. Like, this is the, one of the greatest people, honestly, to ever grace the planet one of the greatest boxers, bar none, to ever get in a ring. And by the end of his life, you know, look how bad Alzheimer's had hit him. Definitely. Okay, and that's from taking repeated shots to the head and fighting 15-round fights. I mean, these are the same fans who are like, you're cutting champions, you know, no fight can go past 12 rounds? That's that's an abomination. You know, men were men. You know, let's go back to bare <laughs> knuckles, 70-round fights. Dude, shut up, okay? Right, that, right. I, I just Fans drive me up the wall. All right. Well, let's let's speaking of blows to the head, Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> Great segue. Great segue. It's not a good segue if you point out the segue. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not. Uh, but he lost his second bid uh, for to use his classic helmet, and he I, he said he's going to play. Prior to this ruling, he said he will play. Well, it doesn't help that Mike Moyak. Or Mayock of you know the general manager of the Raiders, who and I appreciate him for this, saying, "Listen, dude, you know he's got to be all in or all out." Um, you know Mayock's a really re- well respected like draft guy, mm-hmm. you know, and you got he's let's face it, Chucky's not working for him; he's working for Chucky. <laughs> um, but you know he wants to see these guys, you know he wants to see Oakland winning football games heading into the move to Vegas. You know you you you. This was supposed to be one of those guys, you mm-hmm. know. You got this really out there personality on the field. He 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 seems like a fit for me. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, 
And then you got, I mean, it, it really it helps because Derek Carr doesn't say anything. Uh, he's the personality on Oakland. Yeah, you know, Brown is. He's he's really Magoo. McCarr's just so Magoo. It's not even funny. So you got Antonio Brown out there, and this is supposed to elevate the team. And and Chucky's you know talking about we're gonna get back to winning football, and he's got that stupid grin on his face. But I mean, let's face it, nobody gives a shit about what the Raiders are doing on the field right now because of all of the Antonio Brown shenanigans. Like I don't even know where they're sitting on the preseason. Yeah, you know, I mean it's. It's like, dude, of all the stands to make, why the helmet? Brady switched his helmet, right? Tom Brady, whose helmet I think was made out of styrofoam. Okay. <laughs> when he first started playing? Yeah, you know, like, I mean, even he even switched to the new models. 42 this year? Yeah, 42. You know, but like like I said, all the stands you're going to make, why the helmet? Why, why is this the issue? Wow. Um, you know, I never understood uh, the, the attachment to... To stuff like that, like Michael Bennett, like current Patriot, mm-hmm. you know, former Seahawk, former Eagle. Um, you know, he likes to wear like kickers shoulder pads because it's less stuff for the offensive lineman to grab. And like three years ago, they're like, yo, you can't do that. They don't offer any protection. We yeah. The kickers aren't even allowed to wear them anymore. Right. And he fought tooth and nail to keep wearing them. So what's Antonio Brown going to do? Dude, he's going to play. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, he's not getting paid. The Raiders file a grievance with the Players Association League yeah. and say he's sitting out of a helmet over like two appeals to wear it that he lost and he's not going to show up. We're not going to pay him. Um, he just signed that new deal. Like, why would you sit over a helmet? Like, that makes no sense to me. There's uh, so many other more important things to sit over than what you're wearing to protect your brain. You should want the best available helmet and not that certain model like which was deemed like not even safe for soldiers and let's face it they would put cardboard boxes on our head yep. and send us off the floor <laughs> if they could uh last bit of news for the nfl at least uh the zeke holdout still continues in, in dallas um we're fast approaching a high stakes game of chicken here um jerry jones made it personal this week he uh asked zeke who and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but he said he ha- has earned the right to joke with Zeke based on forgiving Zeke in the pr- in of his past transgressions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cowboys offer to make Zeke the second highest running back in the league. Yeah, see, and this is what <laughs> kills me is I, I'm, I'm not mad at Zeke. Make your money, dude. Right. Right, make your money because your career could end tomorrow. Right. So make it. Right. Um, but like Jerry Jones, like this is what kills me with this dude. He wants to have the relationship with his players the way uh, Doctor Bus had with the you know with the the players in Lakers when he owned mm-hmm. the team. You know, you're not going to get that with a lot of these guys. They don't want to yeah. hang out with a seven year old white dude, um, especially a guy who didn't want to pay Emmitt Smith. Right. Who set the NFL record for most rushing yards in a career. Right. You know, um, and granted, he is quite forgiving. You know, the Michael Irvin cocaine stuff. Uh, you know, you, you look at Charles Haley, who was not above, like, punching the lights out of somebody on the field. But has he earned the right to joke? I mean, when you... Like that with I, Zeke? I, I, I hate... I hate to say this because I can't stand ownership. Right. Um... But, like, dude, he just offered to make you the second highest paid running back in the NFL. I want you to make your money, but also realize that right now, at this time, 
he might not move, and he let Emmett sit for two games. Yeah. Um, you know, I I get where you're coming from, but like, dude, that's kind of like your boss. You know, let's face it. If your boss came down and was like, "Hey, Tim, your goatee looks really stupid," and everybody else got to chuckle at it, what are you gonna do? You're just gonna sit there like, "Damn it, why you gotta make fun of my goatee?" Man? <laughs> you know, like, what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, is, is I, if I were Jerry Jones, I'd be treading a little more lightly considering the top three offensive weapons you have are all in line for new deals. Yeah. Why piss him off? Because yeah. let's face it, Zeke, he's one of the top talents in the NFL. And Absolutely. Easily, easily top three running back in the NFL. Piss him off. Because he can just be like, yo, I'll play out the season, finish off my rookie contract, and I'm out. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it. it it is a high stakes game of chicken because what happens if Dallas starts winning right off the bat? Oh, dude, I I don't know about that. I mean, Zeke makes that offensive go. Uh, the play action is built off Zeke. It's not yeah. built. It's not built off Alfred Morris. Granted, that rookie, or, yeah, that fourth round pick that's been taking a lot of snaps and running backs look good, but it's preseason. Yeah, and preseason doesn't mean much. Yep. How's he going to look going up against like the big boy defenses in the NFL? And on the flip side, I mean, Zeke gets all the power. If Dallas loses those first couple yeah, of games. Yeah, and you know, I hope he gets it. Like, I, uh, Jerry Jones drives me up the wall. Um, like, even as a Patriots fan, I can't stand him or Robert Kraft. Uh, they just, they seem to swing their influence around way too much. Uh, and let's face it, they're the kingmakers. You know, like, if you want to purchase an NFL team, you know who you're going to go talk to? Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones. Yeah. Um, everybody else is kind of secondary. You know, they passed up the Maras and the Roonies, you know, the, the, the older teams. Right. And, and you just got these two guys. I mean, let's face it, Kraft, I get. All he does is win. Jerry ain't won shit in like 20 years. So um, it's just because he's got that big, beautiful gem, you know, in Irving, Texas, that every owner wants. Yeah. But nobody's got the, the coin the way Jerry does. What about uh, Coward? I don't put any stake in what Coward says, but he did say he thinks Zeke's career could potentially be over. Care to rebut? Colin Coward, you're an idiot. Um, I mean, that, that's that's the issue with some of these guys. Um, you know, he Coward's talked a lot of junk. Uh, you know, he's he gets paid to, to essentially troll. That's what he does. Um, Don't I know it? Yeah, you know he, his and Baker's feud. Yeah, I mean he going looked, back and forth. He sat there and you know felt he had to say something about Baker, and then kept it going. He did the same thing with LeBron for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, he really has a thing about Cleveland. He does. He well, he came out on the air. Him and Jim Rome both came out and said that Cleveland sucks. Mm. Uh, so they can both just you know take a long jump off short bridge for all I care. But, I mean, Cowherd, he, if I want to watch sports journalists, okay, I don't listen to Cowherd or Jim Rome or, uh, who's the other, Stephen A. Smith. Like, mm. they, to me, they stopped being journalists a long time ago. Yeah. Um, you know, they can sit there and, and throw out, they have all these sources, but when you get down to it, if we're going NBA, we're going with Shelburne, we're going McMenamin, uh, Winhorst. You know, NFL, we're talking about Schefter. Um, Sean Sharania is another big one, works for the athletic. You know, these are the guys that I'm going to look to for sports journalism <laughs> rather than a dick who's got a big microphone on his face and is on camera. Um, like, I'm sorry, Colin Cowherd's at the point in his career where he might have been a sports journalist 20 years ago, but mm. now he's just, a, he's he's the Rachel Maddow of 
sports. Like, he reads a teleprompter and then just goes off on these tangents and says whatever he wants, regardless if it makes sense or not. Uh, UFC 241 was last oh, week. Oh, yes. Uh, I didn't get to watch it. You did. Yes. Uh, but I do know Nate Diaz wins. Yes. In his return after three years. Three years away. And Stipe Milochik yeah, Miochik. reclaims his title. That's right. Uh, uh, Nate, Nate looked great. Uh, three years of ring rust. You'd think it would be there. Not really. Um, you know, Diaz, the thing is, is he, he and his brother both would stand up and bang with you. But they are ridiculously talented on the ground as well. And, you know, he's going up against Anthony Pettis, who himself is a great striker and just a great all-around fighter. And he did a good job of controlling, you know, controlling the bout. Um, and then you got Stipe, who did not look good the first three rounds. I, I'm going to admit that. Uh, but he noticed that with his reach advantage, that he could work the body. And he hit Cormier with, like, a three-piece right before he put him down and Cormier just... Cormier was dominating that yeah, fight. He was doing very well. Uh, and the thing is, like, Cormier, like I told you, like we were talking about last week, you can never count Cormier out. Mm. Um, the guy is just... There's a reason he's probably one of the top guys ever in the cage, honestly. He just, he wins. He manages to win. Um, and he's got such a great work ethic, and he may not have, like, consistent knockout power, but he's got enough to put you down. Like, at the first fight with Stipe. Um, and don't even, like, he's an Olympic-class wrestler. You know, um, and he, he's just a great athlete. I mean, he's 40 years old. Um, you know, two years ago, you know, a year and a half ago, he was champ of light heavyweight and heavyweight champ. You know, he's two belts. Um, you know, the, and the only person he never figured out was John Jones. And let's face it, John Jones has probably wasted more talent than any other athlete, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately. But like Cormier, watching that first three rounds, I was like, man. He's going to work him. He's going to do what Cormier does. He's going to wear him down to a nub. Um, but Stipe did a great job of working the body. And that's it doesn't matter whether you box or you're in the MMA. If you're able to work someone's midsection, you're taking away that ability to get oxygen into your lungs. <laughs> and let's face it, no one likes getting hit in the kidneys or the liver. Like, it's it's miserable. Um, and Stipe just, he knew he had him at that point, and he did a really good job. So, um but, I mean, that was even overshadowed by Conor McGregor just randomly punching someone in a pub in Ireland. Yeah. Um, but that was back in April. Yeah, but still the video just came out. The video out, just came out. You know? Yeah. Um, and what kills me is you got this this knucklehead. If John Jones has wasted the most talent, Conor McGregor is, like, number two. Right up there. You know? Um, because all he does is, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and chase fights, you know, with Floyd Mayweather. Bro, you had no shot. And there were, if you look at all the McGregor fanboys... That is one fight I did watch. Oh, God. I don't watch a, I don't yeah. watch a lot, but I did watch that one. Well, that was that was Mayweather's first knockout in almost 10 years. <laughs> okay. Um, like, I just... McGregor needs to get his ass back into a cage, uh, you know, rededicate himself to to the craft. And, and, I mean, the guy's won titles at two different weight classes and has never defended a belt. Mm-hmm. He's never defended his championships. Um, so, you know, it's just like I I was on the Conor McGregor fanboy train for a long time, but the sh- like I'm over the shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, like the video of you punching just some dude at a bar overshadowed a change in a title and Nate Diaz coming back after three years. Like, come on. Like, yeah. you're, you're an asshole. You know? <laughs> no. Wasn't it just a month after he had some sort of lawsuit about slamming a... 
oh, fan's phone. Oh yeah, yeah. He had that. He reached out and grabbed someone's phone because he took a picture and uh, smashed it. Yeah. He also had the the one fight in New York State where he wasn't even on the card, uh, but one of his teammates got into it on a bus and he threw a hand card out a window, which sent glass into a few fighters' eyes, uh, which meant that the UFC had to scrap. Two fights on the card the day prior to the actual card. So, mm. like McGregor, uh, is honestly is probably still one of the top draws in the game. Yeah, but, I mean he's fun to watch. Yeah, but at a certain point, like you as the boss, do you want to deal with that day in day out? I mean, at that point, he really just needs to go over to WWE. Yeah, I mean, I mean when her Ronda did it right, and I mean it's worked pretty well for her. Yep. Uh, she's she's a uh, wanted for the new She Hulk show anyway. Oh, uh, gross. No. <laughs> but that that's that's not sports. No, um, no, but as both a comic book nerd and a sports fan, whoever, whatever person threw that out there, I want to just say this. Boo. Boo. <laughs> okay, so we have a great uh, kind of local scene, our Woodpeckers. The Woodpeckers. Uh, gearing up for a big playoff push. What's the magic number right now? Uh, as of just a few minutes ago, the Woodpeckers have cut it down to six. Nice. Uh, last week when we talked, it was 11. Uh, they had a, there were a couple of double headers that went our way this weekend. Uh, we split one with Frederick. Uh, Myrtle Beach lost three, uh, were swept by... Uh, I don't remember who they played, but they, they lost three in a row. That helps us a lot. Yep. More importantly, Down East has been struggling. See, that's that's what we need. We, we are now half a game behind Down East. Let's get some playoff baseball here. And if they do, we have to get a game in. Oh, dude, absolutely. Um, um, can you imagine year one here in Fayetteville after three years, two years in Bowie's Creek? We might not be able to get a seat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Myrtle Beach is selling tickets, though. They're selling playoff tickets? They're selling playoff tickets. They are now uh, two and a half, three games behind Fayetteville, but they have playoff ticket packages up for sale. Oh, Pelicans. You make me sad. Uh, Yeah, but, you know, we've got eight games left, I believe. I think you're right. Uh, I was looking at the schedule today, because uh, this is the last weekend in town for them, right? Uh, yes. No, next weekend. Next weekend? Next okay. weekend is home. It's all against Down East. Um, but we've played... we got nine games left. Okay. Um, 34 and 27 in the second half. We are... It's not too shabby. Half a game behind Down East and two and a half up on Myrtle Beach. Haven't seen any ticket playoff tickets yet from uh, Fayetteville. I don't think they want to jinx it yet. I don't blame them. Uh, let's, let's play out the season and see how it goes. Because yeah. uh, I... I'm pretty sure you and I are in the same uh, mindset here that let's wrap up that spot. Mm-hmm. We put them up on sale. Those things will be gone pretty quick, I imagine. Um, I mean, that would be pretty cool. First year in Fayetteville. Yeah. Win a title. That would be really... As, as it sits, I mean, regardless of who gets that second playoff spot, the first two games are at home for that team. The uh, third... And if necessary, fourth and fifth games are in Down East. Okay. Um, so it gives the the first half champion a chance to clinch at home, but m- it could end up more games are played at the second half championship or champion sta- uh, stadium. Uh, so right now it would be Fayetteville for games one and two, and then down to Kinston for three, and then potentially four and five, depending on how the series goes. Um, 
the thing to watch is going to be next weekend. We've got five games uh, next weekend due to a odd doubleheader. <laughs> um, so Monday through Thursday, we've got uh, we're in uh, Carolina. Okay, uh, in Zebulon. Zebulon. Yep, that's that's where it is. Uh, we're in Zebulon for four games against the Mudcats, and then we come home. Friday is a home game against Down East. Saturday is a double header that's a home and home. Okay. Uh, because they did, they weren't able to reschedule the one in Kinston. Yeah. So, ha- one game it'll be Fayetteville's the home team. The other game Down East will be the home game home team, but it'll be in Fayetteville. Yeah. And then we wrap up set, uh, Sunday and Monday home against Down East. So we have five games against who is currently the number one team in the division. Yeah, that, that's a good way to end the season because you could really put yourself over right there. Yeah, and and theoretically we clinch the playoffs. That's five to ten straight games against the same team. Yeah. You learn a lot there. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that, that's always going to be the thing when you play in a small league. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that all the various levels outside the international league at AAA, you know, there are only 10 to 12 teams anyway. So, I mean, but I mean, that, that's part of the fun. Um, I mean, the game last game we went to, I sat in front of a guy who literally jawed at the Pelicans right fielder and for three innings. And when he got to go up to bat, he ran all the way from the, the grassy spot behind right <laughs> all the way down to the netting to oh. sit there and, and jaw at him. And then he hit a double, which scored a run so he probably shouldn't have done that but it was just it was you know when you get to know these guys that don't get called up you know in two months into the season um i mean that's what i always liked about minor league baseball you kind of get that familiarity with all the players uh and it's not like in a major league way where you can actually talk to them because you know they're living with host families and you know yeah um but we we do have a little over a week left in the season. We'll see how the season wraps up, but we have we are really in a good position to make the playoffs and make a splash in the playoffs. Uh, we win th- those three games in the playoffs. We're playing for the championship, which would be great to have a pennant in the first, you know, first season. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, it just even minor league parks. Um, you know, you they there's a lot of history with a lot of them, so they have pennants up, and then you go to Segra. And, uh, you know, there's a church banner on the wall, so... There's, there's no penance, yeah, but they're coming, they're coming. Okay, so uh, we, this weekend we had the opportunity and the, the privilege to, to interview uh, Graceful Dread and... Uh, coach Duke of coach Pain. Coach Duke of Pain, um, which I think is a really cool coach name, uh, from our Fayetteville Roller Derby squad. Yeah, they were a fantastic interview, uh, so let's dive in and see what they have to say. So tonight we want to welcome Graceful Dread of the FRD Wreckers and Coach Duke of Pain of Fayetteville Roller Derby. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, so why don't you guys give us a little bit of an introduction of yourselves, who you are, where you guys are from. Uh, oh, I'm going Sorry. first? All right. Uh, I'm Graceful Dread. I'm an Army brat, so I don't have a home. Um, I go by them, they pronouns, and... I play roller derby and so that's about it. <laughs> All right, uh, Coach Duke of Payne. I'm from uh, Virginia, down near the beach, and then uh, I guess I've been doing derby now for seven to eight years. All right. 
Well, one of the things that we love about roller derby is the name. So let's start there because everybody loves the, the names that you guys have. How did you come up with Graceful Dread? What, what made you pick that name? Um, basically because one of our skaters, Bricks, she just, every time I would fall, she'd be like, well, you fall so gracefully. And, um, yeah. And then, like, when I was in my senior year, one of my favorite teachers was a really heavy Grateful Dead fan. And my dad is really heavy into, like, the Judge Dread, all of those, like, 80s action movies. So that's why I came up with that. So it's kind of a co- uh, combination of three different things for yeah. you. Yeah. All right. And Coach? Oh, mine, mine is a lot simpler than that. My, uh, my wife, we got married um, right as she started her derby career, and we both had different names on the track. Well, she took my, ni- my name off the track, and she came up with the Duchess of Pain. So by fault, I took her name of the Duke of Pain. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you guys been involved in roller derby? Uh, about seven years for me, seven and a half. Just about a year. Yeah. Next month. Okay, so you're you're pretty new to it. Yeah. Like you, but you're enjoying your mm-hmm. everything so far. Yeah. Like, what's your favorite part of it? I just like getting hit and bouncing <laughs> off people. <laughs> yeah. um, I've I've noticed that with roller derby, it's very inclusive of uh, body types, genders, all 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 walks of life for people. Um, you don't necessarily have to be the most fit person to be involved, but you you don't have it, it's not an advantage. You, there's still positions you can play, right? Um, what what is it that drew you guys to roller derby? Was it that? Was it you know other aspects? Uh, <laughs> honestly. Last year when I came, I had always seen Whip It, and I was always like, yeah, I want to do that. But because I'm an Army brat, and in my own career, I didn't really get a chance to stay settled anywhere. And then I'd seen them, and I was like, everybody on this team is attractive. <laughs> 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 I want to do this. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's what I did. Um, for me, I, one of the people that I worked with, his wife was into it, and they needed refs, and I knew how to skate. Okay. And then after that, it kind of just morphed into, I want to play, never really played for a team, just mashups and everything, and started coaching. So this is this is your first time with the team. You, didn't, you haven't participated in yeah. other places. Okay. Um, like, did you play any other sports before? Um, yeah, so I played track in high school, or I ran track in high school. I did swimming, and I did softball okay. as well. So. so you've got an athletic background. Mm-hmm. Okay. You think a prep key better for everything on the track? No, because I didn't know how to skate. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's let's talk about how hard it was. Um, what what type of workouts do you guys do to prepare and um, yeah, like what's a typical practice yeah. look like for you guys? Um, for typical practice we'll usually do some sort of on skate uh, warm up. Um, Prior to the season, we were doing a lot of off-skate work, workouts prior to getting on skates. Um, the biggest thing is, is your legs. You have to have strong legs. If you don't have strong legs, then your stability is not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And then from there, working up, having a good solid core just because of the different stances that you have to be in, um, having having that form, that root there. And like you said before, it doesn't matter about body types or anything like that because it doesn't matter what you look like. If you're confident in yourself and you're confident in your skating abilities, 
and you have the uh, tenacity and the will to work, then you're going to improve. So having the fundamentals with that and then working harder to uh, increase your muscle and everything, then there was easy. Okay. Now, from your perspective, with him being your coach, mm-hmm. like, what's the thing you hate most about yeah. having him? Why do you have that? No pressure. That's not. He won't make question. you skate extra laps. Right. No, but um, I, I think that's a good question because open feedback is always. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, that, you, you said you're you're still in. I was I spent 16 years in the military, and I mean, I always told my guys like, hey. If there's something that maybe you and I button heads on, let's clear it. That way we can squash it and move forward. So, but I mean, is it, is it practice methods? Is it maybe him getting up your ass about something on the track? You know, this just sounds like a trap. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, for real though, I think like uh, as far as what I just don't like to do, I don't like doing sprints on skates. This is very much like not my jam. Um, as far as like practicing things I don't like, it's mostly just, uh, I wish your practices were a little longer because it's hard to like warm up and then you start learning a skill and then it's time to go and then I don't see you until Wednesday, yeah. Monday, depending. So like that's, that's more my issues. And, uh, whenever I first started as fresh meat, I kind of overcompensated by like, um, whenever we have practice, Immediately after practice, I would go around about to roundabout and skate till nine thirty, mm. doing stuff. So that was how I compensated for that. Or okay. Compensated, yeah. And I saw you jumped in on a uh, another team because they needed some skaters, right? Yes. Um, how how did that go? It went all right. Um, it's different uh, than playing up here with my team. Um, the way to do things are a little different, and then on top of that, like you have to like you don't get as much practice with those set of skaters, so you're really learning everything on the track, and it comes down to split decisions and stuff like that. But, yeah. All right, coach, why don't you describe a typical roller derby match for people that maybe aren't so uh, you know spun up on it? Right, how how it works? Or yeah, like, like just general concepts. Okay, so each team has five players on the track at a time. Uh, of those five players for each team, four of them are blockers, and one of them is a jammer. The jammer has to make it through what is the pack, which is the four blockers from each team. Um, once they make it through that pack and come back around to re-enter the pack on the track, um, at that point, for every person that they pass from the opposing team, they get one point. Okay. And then whoever makes it through first has the advantage of being able to call off that jam. So if the more jams you're in control of, the better off you are. Right. And Dred, you're more of a jammer, at least from what I saw, right? Yes. Um, What's your favorite part about playing that, that role or that position? Uh, I like scoring points. <laughs> and I feel like uh, Derby has made me a little bit of a show off. <laughs> <laughs> no, that never happens in Derby. Yeah, so like I like being the center of attention when it comes to Derby. It's it's good, and then you get to work with your teammates. They're supporting you, and you're, they have their, like, not hopes and dreams on you, but like, hey, we need to score points. We're yeah. going to do everything we can to make sure you score points, and that's a good feeling. I did manage to make it over to the uh, the mashup. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, definitely a different perspective on uh, skating because, as you t- talked about, leg strength is important. It is. Um, 
but I don't think you guys practice a whole lot skating the opposite direction. No. <laughs> and with the mashup, so with that being centered around uh, like the Game of Thrones type mm-hmm. stuff, um, you know, it's one of those fun things to have draw more people in and mm-hmm. you get to do stuff that you normally don't do. You come to a normal game and you won't see that. What you'll see is a whole lot of hard hitting and a lot of team cohesion working together to you know, achieve one goal. Win. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Derby's kind of, uh, I'd say, it's a sports outlier. Um, it's definitely not among the mainstream sports. Well, when, not yet. It's when, you look, yeah, when you look at the U.S., you have the big four, you know, the NBA, you know, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Yep. Um, and then down in the southeast, of course, NASCAR, which I'm still trying to figure out why people like um, but it's, I mean, is it? Do you, do you feel like the sport's growing now? I think uh, that there's the more eyeballs are, are on it. You know the answer? Uh, I think it's growing. I mean, like, my perspectives are different because I'm new. But from what I think, uh, yeah, I think it is growing. Because like yesterday, where people see this vest and they realize, oh, you're on a roller derby team, like they know what it is, even if they don't know Fayetteville has one. So yeah, that's and where I, it's going. Like, yeah. I, I think what people don't realize is that actually what you guys do is a little different than what most people think of as roller derby. Right. Everybody thinks of uh, what was the old movie uh, from the 80s? What was, it, was it Raquel Welch and all that? Yeah, where it's the, the, the banked track. Right. Yeah. So what is there a difference between what they know as roller derby and what you guys do on flat track? One, 100%. So there still is bank track. Um, bank track is still large and thriving depends on where you're at though florida Mm -hmm. or on the west coast but for flat track nothing is like choreographed there's no fights there's no flipping people over rails um (laughs) yeah like that wasn't there a show in the 90s that was like there was something like that they had brought back roller derby for for a hot minute and that faded away real quick. But Back when they were doing all the obscure uh, sports-based shows, like American Gladiators, right. that time yeah. frame. But, the, yeah. you know, it's it's really progressed from where it used to be to where it is now. Um, even just in the seven years of me doing it, um, we've had, I think, six, rule, six major rule changes mm-hmm. uh, for each year. And then on top of that, um, just the way the game itself is played and the people that are included into it, it's become all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. And we've gone from not having a USA team to having a US, both men's and women's team, and this year they both swept the World the world Championship. Okay. And Where was that held at? Because right. that would have been South nice. America. So, okay. Oh. <laughs> I guess we couldn't have made it yeah. to that one. Well, actually, if y'all are trying to see more roller derby, Whiff to the playoffs is in Salem. It's right? in Winston-Salem. Yeah, Salem. Okay. So. Two weeks. Which playoffs? Yeah. Uh, Whiff to the Okay. Yep. Whiff uh-huh. the championships. Mm-hmm. Okay. When is that? That is uh, the weekend of September 8th. Okay, so okay, coming up yeah, here in a couple that's, weeks. That's right before I go to New York, so I'll definitely have to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I, I really like that. I think that's an important, a really important distinction to make, is that this roller derby has seemed to, it's got, it's the big umbrella concept. Mm-hmm. Everybody's welcome. Um, whereas, you know, your, your traditional sports, it's, it's not like that so much. I mean, the NFL just started hiring female coaches, for crying out loud. Um, and it's 2019, year of our award. <laughs> You know that type of uh, ridiculousness, um, 
and I, I think that would probably it's probably gonna draw a lot more people in uh, you know especially since I mean mass media is kind of it's gonna give you guys a platform you know uh, you'll be able to I mean hell you got two people that you know we're not professionals but we can just start a podcast uh, Major League Rugby is a fairly new league and they stream their games on Facebook you know to, to kind of hook people so I mean the opportunities are there to get you know first on that digital platform the eyeballs and then they, you bring them into the arena I mean it's a sport that even my wife is interested in she doesn't like sports at no, all no that woman hates but sports but she <laughs> loves coming to the roller derby uh, so so we definitely made a point to get out to the uh, the mashup can she skate? She can't. Um, Constantly looking for new talent. <laughs> However, we you know we do it's have okay. non-skating officials, and you know that's a front row to the action. Well, let's talk about that new talent for a little bit. How how does how does somebody who's interested get involved in the Fayetteville Roller Derby? Um, well, it depends. So, like, we have events all year. So, even though our season has ended, right. we will still have um, events in Fayetteville. Till the end of the year, so I think our next big event is the Zombie Walk. Okay. So we'll be participating in that, and then the Skateathon in October. The Skateathon in October, and then. Um, Don't you guys usually do something for the uh, the county fair? Yeah, it's, that would be the Skateathon. That's usually okay. a Skateathon. However, we had to roll it to the to the right, so it'll okay. be in October this year. Okay. So um, and then like we did Pride, so I ran the Pride booth for us uh, once back. Um, so normally, like, we just try to make a presence in the community as far as, like, hey, we're here, this is what we're doing, do you want to come see? And that's how we kind of get more fresh talent. Okay. But but let's say we've got a listener here who's interested in roller derby. What would they need to do? How do they reach out? How do they get involved if they want to be a, on the team? Uh, the Facebook page is the best example, or the best way. Um, you like I said, or like you said earlier, you were talking to Farrell, who runs our PR. Mm-hmm. She runs the Facebook account, and she will get you in touch with the um, Fresh Me coordinator. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to... That's the best title ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, each class is different. They can choose their own yeah. names. Okay. Um, the last class that we had, we called them Skater Tots. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, my class, which was only two of us, we retroactively uh, got uh, called ourselves Fresh Glitter because our the other person with me who did it, Lunatic, she is like amazing with the water bottles, all this type of stuff, and she's just all about the glitter, everything. And <laughs> so like Fresh Glitter is what we went to. So you can choose your name each time, but traditionally it's Fresh Meat. Okay, and we'll make sure to link the the Facebook into the description of the podcast, and we'll put post it up on our page. Um, yeah, I just. What would you like really, how would you describe your first year in roller derby? Like, have you really, is it something like you're really passionate about that you want to continue to do? Yeah, so I'm actually really passionate about it. Um, I can say the reception that I got last year was really warm. Um, it was just not like traditional sports. Like, I kind of faded away from more traditional sports because it's very a hostile environment a lot yeah. of times. Um, and I was kind of worried it was going to be the same thing, but it's not. It's a completely different feel. Like, everybody's there to, like, make sure you do well, even if that involves some tough love or whatever. So, like, I'm really passionate about the sport. Um, now I think I'm going to do it for a while. But that's good. What about you, Coach? What keeps you invested in it? Um, the fact that I'm helping people succeed. Like, as much as, much as I like coaching, I like teaching, and... 
um, as much as everybody puts into it, I'm gonna give them that equal equal share. So if they're only coming to practice halfway and I'm coming 100%, you better believe we're gonna do some sprints. <laughs> <laughs> But like Dred and I have had talks and stuff and you know, I'll be honest with the skaters like one-on-one I'm gonna tell you how you know what you need to work on and everything else and where I think you're at and it's up to you to Im- improve to that next step and I'm there as a tool to help you get there. Including making them sprint and skates, which, <laughs> which I, would, I, super I would hate you. Yeah, I have it's a hard enough time sprinting without skates, let alone putting them on my feet. Right. One of the things that I love as well is my understanding is Fayetteville Roller Derby and maybe all roller derby. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is nonprofit. So you guys do a lot for the community, or am I <coughs> thinking on that? Um, all the ones that I've been involved with have been five hundred one c threes. There are some out there that, you know, they're not part of WIFTA, but they are not nonprofit. Okay. Gotcha. So all WIFTA ones are nonprofit. Yeah, yeah. If um, I'm not mistaken, that's required by WIFTA. Okay. To um, actually, so, because we haven't talked about that, WIFTA is WFTDA, that's Women's Flat Track Derby Association. So from now on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but so. Is it true that all of your bouts tend to be for a cause? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what are some of the causes you guys have supported? I don't know what it was for the mashup, but... Um, I'm not sure for the mashup. I know that um, we've done autism. We've done yeah. uh, the Fayetteville uh, Animal Society, or FAPS. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think the last two was autism, uh, an autism charity that I think is local because Arctic coordinated that mm-hmm. and then we had a pride night bout yeah um and then i believe we did domestic abuse yeah, and, for the women's shelter. Yeah, and okay. then animals as well so we do like most of the bouts this year have been themed around some type of charity and they get a check at the end of the bout. that's cool um when does your guys season start uh this next year i think our season's going to start in march um we're not going to start with an early one and then depending on our interleague coordinator think they're working on uh, starting the season off with a, a tournament. Oh, that'll be okay. Cool. And tournaments usually tend to push you up through your rankings pretty quickly, um, just because you're almost guaranteed like three bouts. Okay. And they're all sanctioned, so the sanctioned bouts don't really get you anywhere. It's the sanctioned ones that yeah. will move you up in rankings. And where are you guys ranked? Right now, I think the last I saw was like 140-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's worldwide, right? Yep. Right. Okay. Um, so, Fayetteville, you do have a worldwide, you know, world-represented team here. Mm-hmm. Uh, get out there and support. Um, I mean, it's just cool being able to, uh, you know, Fayetteville's fought for years to, to kind of clean up its image. Mm-hmm. And it always seemed like they would rally behind the mayor, the whatever, and then the initiative would fall flat rather than seeing, you know, Fayetteville Roller Derby. <laughs> and I've seen you guys out there, you know, doing the meet and greets and stuff um, and, and letting people know, hey, we're here. This is where we play, you know, that type of thing. Like, you know, it, but they, they're doing it with the Woodpeckers. They can do it with the Roller Derby. They can do it with all our local teams. And that's going to, I think that's going to go a lot more than hanging on every word some dickhead politician, you know, has <laughs> to say. 
I mean, I think so because uh, I'm not a sports person, but uh, sports, especially local ones, are the heart of the city. And Fayetteville has a lot of transient people that still love Fayetteville. Yeah. My boyfriend's one of them. He's still very much is an 82nd baby, loves Fayetteville, <laughs> is happy that I play here. You know, it's it stays in people's hearts. So I think going with the local would be best. Before we before we call it a night, uh, is there anything else you guys want to let people know yeah. about upcoming events? Plug your pluggables, please. Yeah, uh, I, I know that to an extent you guys are building your own individual brands as well within the Derby. Uh, so you know, personal Twitters, anything, uh, or any just information about roller derby. Um. Well, I do art, and I just been taking time to do specifically roller derby type arts. I do. Paintings or caricatures of some of the girls and gals that uh, desiccate. So I have, I did one for Kali Gustav, who just left, but um, that got pretty popular. And then I'm doing one for MC Trauma at the moment. So if you want to see any of that stuff that I do outside of Derby and with Derby, that's James the Drowned Facebook. Okay. Make sure you check it out because it is phenomenal. (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Anything from you, Coach? No, I I tend to stay on the backside. I'm just a coach. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I don't I don't do the the Twitter and all all that shenanigans. Like I have an Instagram, but I don't even use it. So. Well, we do want to appreciate, or we do want to thank you guys for coming out. We appreciate it. No, you guys didn't know exactly what to expect when you guys are sitting down with us. Um, any last thoughts, Mac? I'm I'm just glad I got to sit down and talk to you both. Uh, you know, I. Like, my knowledge of roller derby, like I said, was that show in, like, the 90s, I remember as a kid, and, and had just the most outlandish cast of characters, you know? Um, but, you know, once I, once because I, I was stationed here, like, I was stationed here first, and I, you know, I'm still here. Um, and then meeting Tim and through certain, you know, other members of another uh, group that we were in, you know, getting to meet all, uh, some of the other girls that, that skated before, and, uh, you know, I'm just... I'll be out there to support. Um, I like what you guys do as far as community stuff. And God knows we need a little more of that, you know, just people helping people type thing. So uh, I, I just thank you guys very much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate it. So we want to give a big thank you to the Fayetteville Roller Derby, specifically Graceful Dread and Duke of Pain. As you guys can hear, it was a great interview. I, I had a fun time. I had a good time. Uh, you know, I... You know, like we were discussing with Coach that I hadn't really had any interaction with roller derby since that really weird TV show in the 90s. Right. So uh, just having some things broken down and getting to see one of those athletes like right there and asking uh, them what they really thought, uh, you know, about the sport and how much they really enjoyed it. And how much effort they put into it. Yes. We do want to also thank Mario and Revolutionary Co-working. We did have... Uh, some weather issues that thankfully they were able to open their conference room up to us last minute. Thank you, Mario. Um, thank you for roller uh, the roller derby team. Uh, we love you guys, and we'll make sure to link all information. If you want to learn more about Fayetteville Roller Derby, check out the details on the podcast. We'll be posting them there and on our page. That about wraps it up for today. Uh, for Mac, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. <laughs>